How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, best-selling author, CEO and founder of High Impact Coaching, here with the amazing Cassandra Shuck. Cassandra is an entrepreneurial guide, and she has a wealth of knowledge for all of our business owners out there. But I think what really makes Cassandra unique is she's come, her story and where she's come from, escaping turbulent upbringing, a household stricken with abuse. And Cassandra's been able to take all of her trauma and been able to take the self-sabotaging, the doubt, a term I like to use, white-knuckling control and perfectionism, and turn that into impact. So I'm super excited to share her story with you and a lot of the wealth of knowledge that, that you've developed over your years as an entrepreneur, Cassandra. So Cassandra, welcome to the show. Happy to have you. Thank you for having me. And thanks for my intro. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Reflected back. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So Cassandra, you know, obviously our audience being a lot of coaches, some of them just starting off, some of them, you know, well on their path, you know, six figure earners, multiple six figure earners, even seven figure earners. One of the things that I've noticed is kind of like you always mention, it really is something goes on in our past that actually creates this ability and this desire for us to actually go help more people. And so I think pretty much every single one of our audience, everybody in our audience is going to resonate with your story. So I'd really love for you to just kind of start with your story and how you went from where you were to how you got to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll start at age seven. (laughs) We could go Um, earlier. We could go to, you know, preconception even. No. Exactly. Yeah. Well, past life. No, (laughs) not for this podcast. It'll be episode two. Exactly. The continuation. So no, I um, grew up in what I call a turbulent household. And that is just my easiest way of saying a really abuse driven household, a ton of physical, mental, and sexual abuse, a ton of drug use by both parents, which led into kind of a spiral of greater abuse that I received. So A lot of the things were done from my father, which I was a a whole relationship I had to sort out. And the relationship that I think that was more impactful in what I do now was the relationship with my mother. She was kind of this silent person who watched and witnessed her daughter getting sexually abused, her daughter getting raped, her daughter basically being sold to her father's friends and never did anything, which is beyond, beyond messed up. And that was the one that was really kind of the mind fuck, I hate to say, to like actually get me to start my own piece. That lasted for me. My earliest memory was age two um, of my mom being hit. And then for me, my abuse started at really at that age five mark. Yeah. And started mostly with mental, some physical, and kind of progressively got worse into the sexual abuse as a, a young teen. And then to when I moved out when I was 15 years old. Wow. And I think, you know, it's crazy to me too. And I think being in the coaching space, mm-hmm. we hear about this more often than we want to. Exactly. And first, you know, thank you for just being open to sharing this stuff, because I think this is a lot of the stuff that a lot of people are not willing to be vulnerable enough to really talk about. But like you mentioned, we hear it, we hear it more often than we want to, because it is prevalent out there. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's funny because I always felt isolated and I always felt super alone that I was the only one that this happened to. And the more that I speak and the more that I share my story and the more that I'm on stages and podcasts and platforms, I get hundreds of both men and women saying, yeah, me too. Yeah, that was my life too. Yeah, that was my childhood too. You know, maybe it wasn't necessarily a father, but it was an uncle or a relative or a whomever. Yeah. We hear it so often, and especially when you get into the personal development entrepreneur world now. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think there is something around that. There's something around, you know, a lot of the trauma that we've gone through as young adults or even as kids, you know, how that translates to how we behave, you know, and what we desire further down the line. So you move out at 15. What then? What's the next 
I found the only person in Providence, Rhode Island who would rent an apartment to a 15 year old. Yeah. That was first step is actually finding that shelter and that first piece. 15 and you're already fully Mm -hmm. independent pretty much. hundred percent. And I tested into college. So I dropped out of high school to this day. I have a master's degree hanging on my wall, but I still don't have a high school diploma. They wouldn't give it to me. But I tested into college at 15 and started when I was 16 years old. Wow. Um, which was a crazy story in on itself. I found a band director who I had and she kind of knew my story. She knew what was going on in the home life and she helped me kind of get started. She said, we're going to get you out of there. And she was the one who sat me down and helped me fill out FAFSA documentation and co-sign yeah. loans. There's something amazing just to be said in this part of the story, I think, which is, can you kind of like help me understand it? At 15, your willingness to like leave that situation yes. and your willingness to go out. And obviously it sounds like you had some help. You had some you know, mentorship or coaching, if you will, almost. hundred percent. Can you get, like walk me through that? Because that as a 15, I think back to me at 15 and I'm like, no fucking way. <laughs> no, like no way. Right. Yeah, no. So honestly, when I was about 13 years old, I started finding a little bit more of my voice and pushing back on my father. Yeah. Which was fine because it actually scaled down the sexual abuse quite a bit, but it amped up the physical. It amped up the physicality because not only was I now resisting, but pushed against his fears and his insecurities. A hundred and ten percent. Yeah. So now looking back on it and having you know the adult purview, I know exactly why that happened. But for me, it kept getting worse to the point of right before I left, I was kicked in the ribs and I had broken ribs, and I was thrown off of a two-story deck. And I said, okay. I can stay here and probably not make it yeah. or I can go and maybe not make it out there either. But at least I have a chance out there because I didn't feel like I had a chance at home anymore. Yeah. I really didn't. That's amazing to me because there's, you know, there's a lot of people, there's way too many people out there that go through some form of physical, sexual, emotional, mental trauma in this world. hundred percent. There's a lot of people that don't as well. But I think one of the things that I find incredibly motivational is that every person, no matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, no matter what's going on in our life, you know, what hand we were dealt, exactly, we were given the opportunity to choose. Mm-hmm. We were given the opportunity to choose. I can continue on a path or I can do something to change it. And you were basically just like, screw this, I'm changing it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I didn't see any other way of, I didn't see their sticking there for another two years and surviving through that, to be honest with you, either both from a, he could kill me or I don't want to be here anymore. And that's a scary, scary place to be. Yeah. It's like he could kill me or either way, I don't want to live this life. Exactly. hundred percent. Exactly. So, So keep going. I don't want to hit you off the hook here. I'm just intrigued on every single step. No, you're totally fine. Ask away. It's not your typical story. And I understand that. Of course. (laughs) So I went to school at 15. I actually started, like I said, started when I was 16. I had my bachelor's by the time I was 19 years old. So kind of fast tracked through that and honestly didn't really start sorting through my trauma at that point. I didn't even recognize the word trauma at that point, mainly because A, no one had ever said that to me. Most of us aren't conscious enough of our trauma as we're going through. And that was all I had ever known. Like I didn't know a loving, like unconditional family love. Like that wasn't part of my deal. So I did what I knew to do, which was basically fast track and not feel. Yeah. So I did that all throughout college into a first marriage and then out of rather quickly as well by the time I was 22. Yeah. And I think that's, again, that's another problem that we see in entrepreneurship, right? It's running, essentially, like a lot of entrepreneurs are running from something rather than running to something, right? And they achieve what a lot of people might see as a success on the outside, 
but you know, we use the term like white knuckling or like exactly. the grit your teeth. I call it the like, let's fucking just do this, right? I can get it done if I put my mind to it. And I mean, yeah. I feel like that's a, that resilience is a great piece to have, but the pendulum swings sometimes so far that it's unhealthy. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I mean, on paper at 19, I had, I mean, a really good paying job. I had a, I mean, I bought a car, like I was starting to establish myself. So like, it didn't look bad on getting, paper. Getting all the things that everybody says look successful. Exactly. Exactly. And like yeah. crossing off the dots, like, okay, I got a job with a 401k and a health package and like, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> oh and man, tell me that. <laughs> You're starting to bring back my trauma from working at Cisco. And <laughs> hey, I was in the tech space too, right there with you. I was in wow. tech and automotive. So yes, I, I get so, that. So you're fast tracking, you're white knuckling, 22 years old, you're starting to make some good money, but you've at this point kind of worked your way into and out of another marriage. Yes. You're starting to learn a lot of life lessons, I'm sure. I got a lot of life lessons by 22, to be honest with you. I realized that I had married someone who was exactly the same as my father. So that abuse cycle just went right back into it of, hey, I was comfortable with it. It's what I knew. I didn't know anything else. Right. And I had a big, big wake up call when I was 22 years old. I had a, a stillborn. Yeah. And that was kind of my rock bottom, so to speak, where like, every, it was no longer circumstances that were happening to me. It was something that was mine that was taken away. Something. Yeah. Something else. Yeah. So that's really where I kind of paused, stop. And I was like, okay, this shit's not working. Like I need to figure out something else because I can't, I can continue. I can go get another job and get another, like I can figure things out and keep hustling through it. But I noticed the pattern at that point. So that was the moment that things changed. That was the start of it. I would love to say like, oh yeah, you know, I got... <laughs> yes, I always joke about, you know, like we all have our rock bottom moment. Right? 100%. But some of us have to hit... 22 years of life. <laughs> yeah. Some of us have to hit rock bottom and then we have to bounce a couple of times before we realize 100%. that we're at rock bottom and then we can go up from there. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So if you would have asked me what I, before that kind of before my loss and before my stillborn, I would have been like, oh, it's because I'm in an abusive marriage. There's a nice rock bottom. And then it was, you know, loss of job. And then it was, I bumped there for a while. Yeah. A hundred percent. So what then? So honestly, then I started looking at everything in my life. The first thing was my marriage, which was crumbling and he was cheating on me, had someone else pregnant, whole crazy story. But then I looked at like, well, what else isn't working? What else doesn't feel good? Where else? And I started actually doing some really deep personal development work in the yoga space was kind of my intro. And I was like, where am I wearing? We have call them in masks and yoga and in shamanism. But I'm like, where am I wearing these? Who am I like acting out that like I don't want to be? Or for me, it was I would dodge any sort of family conversation with like anyone because I didn't want to relive that past. So I'm like, where am I not even having those authentic conversations? Yeah. And then it was slowly dismantling and slowly unraveling kind of this, this fortress and barrier that I had built up against myself of what I thought would be success of what I thought would be comfort. And honestly, what I thought would get my parents like stamp of approval and love finally. Yeah. So That's crazy. Yeah. Super, super easy. Yeah. So a quick question for you, by the way, when did you start as an entrepreneur? So I started originally when I was seven years old. Okay. (laughs) So I had a jewelry company where I had people making jewelry, selling it to me, and then me wholesaling it at seven years old. Yeah. And that was actually really decent. It was honestly till about I was 10. And then I realized as my abuse was picking up, I was depending on my dad a little bit too much and stopped that. But I always had that entrepreneurial like 
itch. So it was already, it, there was something there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I started my agency when I was 22 years old. So right and after was, the loss. At the end of the loss, at the end of the marriage, that's when you started your agency. Yeah. That's when I started my agency. And that's when I started my work with, I do labor and bereavement doulaing. Yeah. So women who have lost, miscarried, infant loss, stillborn. That's when I started that too, because I was doing all of this alone. When you don't have that traditional family system and, you know, your marriage is crumbling, like you do a lot of stuff alone. And I was trying to avoid that at that point as I was like, okay, if I had to do it alone, let me see what I can do to not have others. Yeah. I don't want anybody else to have to go through that. Exactly. Amazing. So 22 years old, you've had pretty much a lifetime, maybe several lifetimes worth of experience (laughs) at this point. You start your agency. Walk me through the first stages of your agency and really getting it up and running. What was the vision? What were some of the big mistakes you made and what really helped it get going? (laughs) Yeah. So the first version of the agency, I actually had a marketing agency for yoga. I was into the yoga space at that point. So I was like, okay, I'll work with yoga studios. It's a safe, it's a comfortable thing. The problem is there's not a lot of money in that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you kind of hear all the things now I laugh because everyone's like, they have, I forget a couple of years ago, it was like, niche down, niche down, niche down. And I'm like, yeah, I've been there. I've done that. It didn't work. So like, we need to talk. There needs to be a little asterisk next to the niche down. Oh, I I love that. One of my favorite things, I I hope everybody's listening to this. One of my favorite things to tell people is like niching down is not enough. You can niche down to the wrong. Like you can't just niche down. (laughs) Exactly. So I niched down too far. And this was before that trend was popular. And that's really what I did was started web design, logo design, graphics for yoga studios and did some traditional marketing. I had a background again of being in the tech space. I was really lucky to go to school in Boston right around the time Facebook was starting. So I had an internship there, did some coding there, worked at Google when Google was a baby. So kind of had a nice tech suite and background. And when I was 22, I decided I wanted to do it for not who I was doing it for, but for myself and who I chose to work with. Yeah. So biggest mistake there was niching down to the wrong niche. What eventually helped you get up and running? Yeah. So it was a couple bumpy first, probably three years that people don't talk about. Yeah. (laughs) For me. Everybody's always successful. We just. Oh, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Six figures birthed overnight is what I mean. Is this the normal? (laughs) Yeah. No. So I honestly started finding my footing and finding out who I wanted to work with and what my platform was. Yeah. So it started out as, again, yoga studio owners, then it moved to health conscious entrepreneurs, and then it moved to female, it eventually moved to female focused entrepreneurs. Yeah. And kind of, I followed my natural rhythm of referrals and I followed the natural rhythm of what our interests were as a team. So it wasn't just me. It was, you know, obviously I'm hiring contractors and employees. I'm like, what do you guys want to work on? Who do you want to work with? Who do you want to talk about? Like, what is it you want to learn? And that's kind of how we took our expansion project. I love, yeah, I love that you made it not about you, but about the community and the team as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. So you can come to a community decision that everybody's yeah. tied into. And I mean, it's, that's, I think the difference also between that solopreneur of like me, me, me versus an entrepreneur who sees the bigger picture, wants to build the so-called empire, air quoting all the things. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where like, it's not just about me. It's about also what the community needs and what my team wants to do. Yeah, I think that's huge. You know, one of my mentors once told me, it's something that we always teach our clients is, you know, as a business owner, when you have team, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to have your vision encompass everybody else's vision. A hundred percent. Yeah. We're that 30,000 foot level. And yeah. And yeah, I mean, for us now that is female owners. So we focus on mainly female focused businesses. 
So today, what are you guys helping? What are you guys helping people do in terms of helping female business owners? I mean, obviously, like I've kind of went through your website, I know, but I want everybody else to kind of hear. Yeah, totally. From a marketing perspective, because that's what my agency is, I'll tell you about my coaching path in a little bit, but it's website design, logo design, graphics, PPC, funnels, SEO management literally everything. So my goal is for us to be placed within your organization and thus become a team and you have to hire an outside person agency. Like we're part of your team at that point. Yeah. That's kind of how we've built it. And it's fun. We say we we get this comment often. We get, we say we a lot. So like when we're in a team meeting with a client, we're like, yeah, we're going to do this and it's going to be great. We're going to make so much money. And they're like, they say that they almost forget that we're not part of their business, not part of their full time. I love that. That's amazing though. Yeah. So I would love to, in terms of what you guys are doing, and, and you know, obviously I, I really want to dig into this because I think this is important, the intuitive business model. Yes, right? yes. So this is a topic that I find fascinating because obviously as a, an entrepreneurial coach, a coach of coaches, I personally am a very masculine energy. Yes. Right? <laughs> and not overtly masculine. There's like the Gary Vaynerchuks that are just batshit crazy, like hustle, hustle, hustle. I'm, I'm definitely yeah. not that. But I'm definitely more of a masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our clients are, you know, some of them are more masculine, a lot of them are more feminine, right? And when I say feminine and masculine, I'm not necessarily saying men versus women, you know, because we have men that we work with that are more feminine energy. It's just a different type mm-hmm. of energy. But, you know, something that we work very closely with our clients on, we, we call it the sides, the two sides of the coin, the feminine and the masculine business models. And I think the intuitive business model really lends to this. So I'd love for you to just kind of like, just throw that out there. Tell me what this is all about and we can kind of dig into that. Yeah. So I started coaching about eight years ago because my first coaching experience was through my agency for free Yeah. <laughs> because that's what you do. You're like, oh, oh cool. Yeah. Let's do your website and let's do like a product review and figure out your like cost per hour. Like, like just yeah. totally not in line of scope of building a website. So I started kind of that seven years ago. And what came out of that was it's called the business chakra method that I developed. And it's based on the energetic centers of the body and all of them show up for different human beings based on what they're, what's coming up in their business and what's coming up in their personal life. Yeah. As you know, you go up in the personal development side and then your business goes, and then you have another personal development hurdle that you get to jump and then another up level in your business. You mean that there's multiple, I can't just do it once. You mean we're not done? Like still at this level? My, my, favorite, my favorite thing I ever hear is, oh no, no, I've done the personal work. Oh yeah. I don't need the mindset. I've got that. Oh, that's adorable, honey. Go sit back down. Try again tomorrow. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. All the guesses. <laughs> I've said that too. I'm like, okay, so like I'm seeing some, like for instance, I do intuitive readings. I spent much of my childhood and much of my trauma actually now that I know this in Theta in that survival, in the higher higher energy centers, just because so I didn't have to connect further into like what was actually going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So I started actually doing these readings for people and I'm like, oh, this is why you're showing up and you're having some solar plexus issues because some, who took away your power as a young age? And they're like, where the hell is this coming from? Yeah. So now I combine kind of the traditional, we'll figure out what the root cause of it is and then we'll figure out where it's showing up. And yeah. then we'll actually apply more of the strategic and strategy and pragmatic, so to speak, yeah. kind of methodologies on it. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's so important because, you know, I think there's so much out there, you know, right now and in the past, just like we were talking about, like, you got to white knuckle it, you got to grit your teeth, you mm-hmm. just got to go make shit happen. 
100%. One of the things that we've noticed, my wife, Maddie, specializes in helping people with trauma. And specifically, she works with a lot of seven-figure, eight-figure entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. helping them overcome past traumas that, like we were just talking about, has created this like white-knuckling process to become successful. But then they get to a certain point and they're not happy. They still have entrepreneurial anxiety and stress and depression and all this stuff because they're still attached to all these traumas and things from their past. And one thing I want to caveat, just because I feel like it's not talked about, is when we say trauma, it's not like the big T. There's big T and little T trauma. It's not you were sexually abused, you were physically abused. Like there's been people who have had a parents have had a loss of a business and that's in their body. It's in what they're actually building for their business. Yeah. There's people who were picked last on the playground for kickball and that's actually showing up as trauma in their business. So it doesn't 100%. have to be these big, huge, like catastrophe end of the world scenarios. It can be something as little as that. I think my favorite one that I tell people, because we do a lot of this work with our clients, you know, a trauma that kept coming back to me. And really it's like whatever creates a life or death situation for you. And whenever you're three to eight years old, everything can be a life or exactly. death. Exactly. Right? Like, stuffed animal on floor, life 100- or death. 100%. Like a big one that came back for me that severely limited me until we kind of worked through it was, you know, when I was five years old, my mom told me to like, go clean the leaves in the front yard, like rake the leaves in the front yard. I'm five years old, right? Yeah. Not the best communicator at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it was like the sprinklers had just gone. So the leaves were wet. So like, I wanted to wait till the leaves were dry to rake them up. Logically makes sense. 100%. As a five-year-old, how do you communicate it to your mom? No. Right. I don't want to. I don't Right. So she goes, go clean the leaves. And I go, I don't know. Like, I don't want to. And she goes, go clean the leaves right now. And I sprinted away from her Mm -hmm. and I locked myself in the bathroom and I slammed the door and the door handle broke. Mm -hmm. And I locked myself in the bathroom as a five-year-old kid. Now I look back at this as a 31-year-old and I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Exactly. But as a five-year-old, I thought I was going to suffocate. I thought like whatever went through my head, I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. So I had a literal life and death moment because I didn't want to rake the leaves and gotten a tiny little argument with my mom. Now, I never thought that this could have done anything, but what that programmed me for was it essentially programmed me to never push for my way if my way was right. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah, kind of essentially like- took away, it took away relinquishing, your voice. Relinquishing my voice, relinquishing my power in any sense. Now, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you can't do that. No. Right? But that's the little trauma that we're talking about here. Exactly. And it's those things that add up. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. A ton of them. Yeah. So there's so many times where we're like digging through and they're like, I didn't even know I remembered that. And I'm like, yep, that's what happens. But then they see how it connects. Like for instance, this one girl I'm working with right now, it's her dad's loss of a business that's affecting her business. Yep. He lost his identity. The family lost their identity and she lost hers. So she's worried if she's successful, what's going to happen and how is that going to be taken away from her? She's going to lose that and eventually it's going to happen to her kids too. Exactly. Because she has two young kids. So exactly. She's doing that. She's basically now we're digging through and doing generational work as to like, how is that showing up? Not only for your business, but for your life, for your marriage, for your parenting. For for every other area. Yeah. Everything. It's a spillover effect. Yeah. That's very cool. That's very cool. So in terms of like digging through these past traumas and programmings, what would you say are probably like the three biggest things that you see coming up regularly as you've been doing this with a lot of entrepreneurs? Ooh, loss of identity is a huge one. Yeah. It's that identity taken away. And that can either be like physical loss or that can be loss of voice as well as a really big one. Anything where someone is taken from you and you're second questioning. Yeah. The next one is that big piece of perfectionism. A hundred percent. No. Uh, yo, yeah, oh, yeah, which I know you know. Yeah. 
as our bookshelves are beautifully poised behind us, <laughs> not perfectionist at all. <laughs> but no, it's that, it's that control and that orchestration of your business that you have to have your hands in everything. And that's a big limiting belief that people have. Yeah. And it's honestly what keeps their business small. You can't grow a multi seven figure business when you have your hand in every pot at every given moment. Yeah. But I think even before that, you can't even grow a six figure business. Oh, no, no, no. God. If you want the first product to be perfect, mm -hmm. the first no, product will never be perfect, right? No, it's funny because I look at some of the old, which I'm sure you do too, like, or the old websites or the old, you know, way you used to coach. Oh, yeah. Like, this is a disaster. <laughs> like, this is an abomination. If I had this right now, I would, I would blow it up. Yeah. Or like authors, like your first book. I'm like, Ooh, like don't even go to page 72. Like, just don't go there. <laughs> yeah. I think an important thing for us to realize too, it's like, you know, what allowed Cassandra to get to this point is mm -hmm. you had to go through version one. Hundred percent. Version one and version two and version three and version four and, and keep moving that forward. So you have loss of identity. Yes. You have Perfection. and perfectionism. And what would you say is number three? So the third one that's coming up for a lot of people is just not trusting self. Yeah. And I think that I'm seeing that more as an amplification of the current climate because they don't know what's going to go on. Because it's, uh, so it's unclear. Yeah. A hundred percent, which is justifiable, but they just they don't trust themselves to actually follow their intuition and follow what guidance is coming through or, yeah. or that they'll even be successful based on outside circumstances. Yeah. It's really interesting you bring that up because I was having a conversation in a mastermind a couple of weeks ago and we we're talking about how there's really, there's three different levels of successful people. Mm -hmm. And it was all dictated by their, what's referred to as adaptation energy, if you've heard of that, your ability to handle adaptation in specific situations, right? Exactly. And so there's basically the unsuccessful, which fear change and fear adaptation, you know, in every way, shape and form, right? Change and mm -hmm. adaptation is scary. So whenever things are turbulent, like they are in, you know, the present economy for the last three months or so, right? There's a lot of fear coming up for a lot of people. And majority of these people have been relatively unsuccessful in the past. And unless they change something will not be successful in the future. Exactly. Then there's the middle level, which is the people that are okay with change. They're somewhat confident. We could kind of call them like the middle class. They're going to be okay, but it's still uncomfortable for them. It's not still the best. A rocky. Still a little rocky. And then you look at the top tier of people that are wildly successful. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is they have an adaptation energy that is not only okay with adaptation and change, it actually seeks those types of situations. Exactly. It seeks them as opportunity, not as fearful for loss. And those are the people that end up being the world changers, the thought leaders, the seven, eight, nine figure business owners. It's the people with the adaptation energy that not only handle it, but actually seek that. It's so funny when you say that, because we had a conversation in the beginning of COVID with one of the small groups uh, coach. And she's like, well, what's going to happen? I'm a photographer and it's not going to work because people can't do shoots and it's not close enough. I said, and she's like, aren't you worried owning a marketing agency and everyone pulling back? And I'm like, I also own a cookie company. I have 700 pounds of flour in a shop. I'm like, and I can learn how to bake bread. Like it shit really hits the fan. Like I'm going to be selling bread out my porch. I, I will make shit happen. I will make it happen. I will be okay. I will survive. Like everyone's buying stuff at the grocery store and I'm buying like a garden. I'm like, I'm going to get some seeds just in case. <laughs> Worst case scenario, I have kale and zucchini and broccoli in the background. Best case scenario, I have kale, zucchini, and broccoli in the background. We're good. We're golden. But it's funny because it puts it into perspective, though, as to like, if you have that confidence and if you have that knowing that you will be good no matter what, you're unshakable. You are literally unstoppable. And that's that resilience that actually births that large business and that yeah. can grow and sustain that.
So question for you, do you think the reason you have that is because of what you've been through in the past or how did you personally develop that? Yeah. So it's a hundred percent because of my past, Yeah, but I'm not special. Everyone has things that they've overcome and everyone, like once you start identifying those badass things that you overcame and that like COVID is not a thing, like it's not a huge deal. You're like, okay, it's just another blip when I look at back at five years ago. Like same with like, I mean, some of the big things that have happened too in the business and economy. Like I lived through through 2008. Hello. Like I graduated college around that time. Like I've witnessed that. This isn't my first rodeo with this shit, guys. I know. Like, oh, recession. Okay, cool. We got this. So it was for me, it was interesting because I have so many different lines of revenue and businesses that I'm like, I wonder which one is actually recession proof. Yeah. But it was more of a curiosity versus a fear. Yeah. And that I think is. is And and I think that's the way you always have, like when you have, and this is a taboo word, but I'm going to use it. When you have true faith that you're going through the right direction and the good things are going to happen. One of my favorite quotes from Byron Katie, she always says, you know, everything happens for me, not to me. Right. Exactly. When you have that faith that Mm -hmm. it's all going to work out in the end, I think maybe I just watched too many Disney movies growing up. I don't know. (laughs) But when you have that faith, you don't become fearful. Like you just mentioned, you actually become curious. Yeah. You're just like, huh, I wonder what's going to happen. Like, this is a fun little roller coaster that I'm going to watch what's going on. Obviously, I'm trying to help things to go the direction I want them to. Absolutely. You're not just going to sit there and be total witness. Yeah. But But I mean, there's only so many many things you can pull in, so many levers you can pull in, so many things you can orchestrate. And then up to that, it's not in your control. It really isn't. As much as, you know, we love to make it seem like it is. Yeah. This is amazing. I feel like I could kind of keep talking to you for another hour, but... I do want to be conscious of time. So I do have a couple of quick last questions for you. And uh, totally. I think, you know, if we may need to bring you on for a second time when we get some time. Yeah, I mean, we said that the first part. We said, you know, but um, <laughs> we'll go past so, lives next time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So for a lot of our coaches and our entrepreneurs out there, what would you say is the number one biggest tip you would give to any starting entrepreneurs? So the number one thing that they should do, and then the number one thing that everybody should avoid doing when they're starting as an entrepreneur. So I'm going to start with the avoiding. I would avoid asking everyone's for everyone else's opinion. That is the biggest thing that I definitely did at first. I was like, how do you think about this? What do you think about this? Do you like it? Do you like this color logo? Do you like this font? Do you like, and I didn't actually know what I liked. Yeah. So that would be the first thing that I would say a hundred percent avoid. You can have a few trusted close compadres and friends and but not don't blast it out to the whole world and to all of social media. Do you like logo A, B, or C better? Like make it about you and what your business is first. And then what I would do is get really, really clear on your intention. And uh, it's going to sound overplayed, but your why. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have that deep connection. There's a reason it's overplayed though, right? Oh, I know. But like if you don't, I've been there. If you don't have that deep connection and that deep conviction for your business, why are you doing it? There is no reason. And then when things like COVID happen, you will use that as an excuse to go do something else or to say it's not working. You're not going to make it. Exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that I always tell everybody, you know, everybody gets into the entrepreneurial world because they envision the life of sipping Mai Tais on the beach and their Stripe account just Exactly. Right. But you're never going to make it if you really don't have the guts, the commitment and the deep why behind the whole thing. So... Yeah. Those are my two pieces. I get a little bit deeper on the why because I think social entrepreneurship should be a valued part of almost every business Yeah, because that's the why that sustains. So that's kind of my next little, like little asterisk is I would also take a look at social entrepreneurship. 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. Awesome. Last question for you. All right. We clearly have great taste. We have matching bookshelves and matching plants behind us. On both sides too. On, on both sides. We did not plan this. What's your favorite book on your bookshelf right now? Ooh, I just got rid of most of the books on the bookshelf. I would say, actually, I'm doing a book review right now on this amazing book. It's not business related. It's oh. called Mary Magdalene Revealed. Yeah. It's the first apostle, her feminist gospel, and the Christianity we haven't tried yet. And it's basically the Bible told from a female's perspective. And it's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Amazing. So it's, I, again, combine that spirituality and that business and that religion it. all together. So it's been my jam lately. I love it. This has been super helpful, Cassandra. I think a lot of people out there are going to get a ton from this. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they connect with you and see more about your programs, your marketing agency, and your business? Yeah. So everything is CassandraShuck.com for myself. You have links to my podcast, blog, Instagram, programs, one-on-one, -on -one, Voxer, all the things. Yeah. And then Tola Marketing is my marketing agency. Beautiful, beautiful. So CassandraShuck.com. Uh, we'll make sure that we've got some links in there. Thank you so much for being on the show. For everybody out there in podcast land, if you want to catch these interviews live, make sure to go to xanderfryer.com forward slash FB group. And for everybody else, thank you for joining. We'll have some more interviews coming for you next week. Thank you so much, Cassandra. Thank you for having me.